Welcome to A Higher Branch, a source of practical and powerful information for busy people dedicated to boosting their personal health and professional performance. I'm your host, Sam McCall. Hello and welcome to our Higher Branch community. I'm Sam McCool. And in last week's podcast, I covered the six lifestyle changes that I believe that everyone should make to hit what athletes and experts call peak performance. Peak performance, and uh, I, I made the point that energy, I believe, is the number one currency in the 21st century because when you have more energy you can create more time and more money because you can do more in less time and that allows you to do a lot more in your day and makes you more productive at work makes you a better partner makes you a better parent more uh, a fun and friendly uh, colleague and uh, just people with high energy have this air of self-confidence and an engaging manner about them and it is because of their energy level. So I do consider that energy to be our number one currency. And there are uh, four things that impact our uh, energy levels. And last week I covered the physical. Now this week I'm going to cover the mental and emotional parts to our energy. And I consider these to be uh, the most impactful. This this is really where the magic happens. So... I, I, before I actually talk about the um, uh, mental and emotional well-being and how that impacts our energy, I want to make uh, the point that we are an innately energetic. We are innately happy. So we don't have to try to do anything to, uh, to bring that energy to the surface. It's usually something that is weighing that energy down. Now, when it comes to the physical, it's usually the wrong food, or lack of activity, and it's stuff that we are doing that is unnatural and not in keeping with our uh, circadian rhythm or our uh, the evolution of our DNA. Now, when it comes to our mental and emotional well-being, this impacts our energy or dampens our energy in a much more profound way than the physical. And I think I made that point in the last podcast that diet and exercise – uh, really, they are important, but they're not as important as what's going on in your head and in your heart. And so I want to cover the four things that um, really sap your mental and emotional energy. Now, before I go into those four things that dampen our mental and emotional energy, I want to tell you a little story uh, about Usain Bolt. Three hours before he broke the world record... Uh, Usain Bolt being the fastest man alive, he actually ate chicken McNuggets. Now, it just goes to show that there are much more important things happening inside inside our bodies uh, that are impacted in a huge way, more so than what we eat. Because I know a lot of people focus on what they eat, thinking that they're going to control everything, but then they're you know, uh, having toxic thoughts and toxic feelings. Now, we are, we are no match for those things and no amount of dieting or exercise is going to overcome those toxic things that dampen our energy in a much more profound way. So it's interesting, someone like Usain Bolt uh, ate what we consider to be junk food and went on three hours later to break the world record. 
and it shows that your emotional well-being is far more important. And this is why I was looking forward to recording this podcast for you and taking you through in a very simple way how you can identify these toxic things and how you can uh, avoid them in your life. Okay, the first toxic thing is, uh, uh, is toxic haste or doing things uh, with speed. Now, I believe that it is not the amount of work that causes stress. I think it's the speed in which we perform our tasks. And uh, Carl Honore, who uh, he wrote a book called In Praise of Slow, is in my top 10 books of all time because it was really it was a game changer for me. Because when I recognized that it was uh, the cult of speed that was making me um, uh, stressed, as soon as I reversed that and started doing things a lot more slower and methodically that improved all aspects of my life, not just work, but how I ate, how I exercised, uh, even how I made love to my partner, right? Um, so uh, all those, there are so many aspects in our, of our life that can become uh, toxic when we do things with haste. And uh, I remember Carl saying, uh, once that stress makes you sick, it makes you slow, and it makes you stupid. And I say that with the greatest of respect because uh, uh, it's scientifically proven that when you're uh, in a state of fight or flight, your brain becomes foggy. You cannot think rationally anymore, and that's what we mean by stupid. It also makes you, ironically, it makes you slower. When you're stressed, you are not absorbing what you're reading and you're not performing what you're doing uh, optimally, so you have to slow down. How many of you uh, have been in a state of um, uh, fog where you're reading something and you're having to go back and reread it or redo something and you think, why am I taking so long to do this? It's because you're in a state of stress. And the last thing is being sick, so um, stupid, slow and sick, or sick, slow and stupid. Now, stress is this overwhelming amount of research which shows that stress is making us sick in so many ways. Uh, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, um, Alzheimer's, uh, rheumatoid arthritis is, uh, is uh, linked to stress. So it's important that we get rid of toxic haste from our day-to-day -day life. And, and what I uh, advise you to do is buy the book called In Praise of Slow by Carl Honore. He goes through a number of things that you can do throughout the day to slow down. Now, my favourites is, number one, I don't pick up the second line if, uh, if I have call waiting. Number two, I don't book too many meetings in one day. In fact, I don't book meetings in the afternoon. And number three, I do my best work in the morning and because that way you don't have to pay, uh, play catch-up. And um, the other thing I do is I, I have uh, photos of my family and my next holiday destination on my desk, on my phone, to remind me to put things in perspective that sometimes when we want to speed up, uh, there is no you know, logical reason for it. And a lot of you listening to this podcast, probably in the service industry, and don't um, believe for one minute that customers want fast service. They want slow, methodical service. They want attentiveness. They prefer that over speed. And there's a lot of people in my industry that are absolutely addicted to doing things faster and faster and faster. But uh, has anyone ever stopped to ask the customer, what do they want? They want to be listened to. 
and they want to be informed. Now, it takes time to do those things. And um, so, which is why in our organisation, we don't have KPIs, we have objectives. And the objective is all customer-centric. So toxic haste will also destroy your productivity. It will destroy the relationship with your customers and it will also burn out your staff. And um, uh, I think that is the number one cause of uh, executive burnout or staff burnout. It's speed. So uh, the first thing you need to get rid of, as I said, is toxic haste. Now, the next toxic thing, and this is controversial, it always is controversial, is you need to get rid of toxic people in your life. Now, I understand that um, there may be uh, toxic people in your life that are family members. And of course, you cannot get rid of family members because I could um, probably hear a lot of you thinking now, um, oh, great, I need to get rid of the mother-in-law or whoever whoever irritates you, right? But the, the thing there is to minimise your exposure to toxic people. Now, I say this with the greatest of respect. I have toxic people in my life as well. I mean, what family doesn't, right? Um, and you need to put yourself first because toxic people really are energy vampires and it always comes back to energy. Just like toxic haste causes stress, which absolutely decimates your energy, toxic people can drain your emotional energy. And if energy is your number number one currency, you don't want to be flushing energy down the metaphorical drain and wasting it on people who just don't get it or don't get you. Um, no judgment here. I'm not saying you're right and they're wrong. It's just people are different. And if you, uh, you might find someone toxic that I don't find uh, toxic. And it just is what it is for you. So the question is, how do you identify toxic people? So I, I've put a list and I'll go through that list with you. I, I think number one, it's people who are jealous of you or are competitive with you people who betray your confidence or trust, uh, people who focus on your faults, people who are always complaining. I find them toxic. And um, people who repetitively break their promises, people who are self-absorbed or self-entitled, and people that contact you only when they need something. Now, I've put together that list after reading a few books on the subject because you don't want to be too quick to judge someone as toxic without recognizing the telltale signs. Um, otherwise, you're just being judgy. Otherwise, you're, you are judging someone as toxic because they don't agree with your point of view. And always remember that in life, you're never going to get everyone to agree with your point of view. Even in a marriage or in a, any partnership, whether it's business or personal, even if you get your way 51% of the time, take that as a win and move on. I know people that are always arguing because they're trying to get their way 100% of the time, and it's just not realistic. Okay, so let's move on to the third toxic thing that will be impacting your energy in a, in a huge way, and that is toxic thinking. And what is toxic thinking? It's the negative self-talk you indulge in immediately after you experience a rejection of failure. Now, if you're listening to this and you're in sales, you know what I'm talking about. Now, a few years ago, someone I knew became a mortgage broker and um, they, they were very excited about starting out. They went through the training programs and then they started getting leads and seeing customers face-to-face in their living rooms and they went through one interview and another one and they got to the 10th interview. And they did not convert even one sale 
and they were starting to feel, you know, um, really disheartened and down. And uh, so a mentor was then allocated to them to spend some time to see what was going on, what was, what was wrong with their technique, with their process. So they received that refresh and training and they sat down with their mentor and then they were you know, primed again to go out. And, and uh, so he went out and hit the 11th um, call out, then the 12th. And on the 13th call out, uh, he sat in somebody's living room and going through you know, what their requirements are for the home loan, etc., following the process, thinking, well, if I follow the process, I can't go wrong. Um, and, uh, but after 10 minutes, the husband got up and said, look, I don't mean to be rude, but do you mind leaving? And uh, it was, uh, you know, it was demoralising. So this person then shuffled their papers, closed their laptop hurriedly, stuffed it into their briefcase and sort of shuffled out of their house sheepishly with their tail between their legs. And, and he was uh, feeling completely demoralised. And he sat in his car and he, after a few minutes, uh, he built up the courage to call his mentor. And he called his mentor and uh, his mentor said, well, what do you expect? You have nothing interesting to stay. You probably have bad breath. You didn't go to the right school. You, um, uh, you know, you, you should quit. You should quit right now. Now, that sounds shocking. Of course, no mentor would ever say that. But what is even more shocking, it wasn't the mentor that said those things. It's, it was that person themselves and their own negative self-talk. And so what is it about... Um, you know, when we, as Dr. Guy Winch said in his book, Emotional Hygiene, um, he said, when we're five years of age, we can fall over, graze our knee and get the Band-Aid out and put it. We know what to do. But when we get cut emotionally, you know, through a rejection or a failure, uh, they're the two things that cause emotional cuts. We don't know what to do. We don't know. We, we get the metaphorical knife out and start cutting deeper with negative self-talk. And we need to stop it because toxic thinking will drain your energy and it will drains your energy because it impacts your feeling in such a way that um, causes a whole heap of stress hormones to surge through your system. And when that happens, your energy plummets and you're back at square one again with um, you know, energy that is poor and you're always struggling to, um, to meet deadlines, to have enough time for family, to have enough time to exercise, and you're on a downward spiral. So toxic thinking is something you need to get rid of. How do you, the, the, the typical self, negative self-talk that happens, uh, just for you to identify them, is things like, I'm not smart enough, I can't do anything right, or I'm not motivated, I'm lazy, I can't succeed, I didn't go to the right school, or my personal favourite, my parents messed me up. Now, you may not be conscious of this negative self-talk, but you can bet that you're doing it subconsciously. Uh, It's just a human trait. So what you need to do, the antidote to negative self-talk is something that Dr. Guy Winch calls reframing. And it basically means you are not your thoughts. You need to witness your thoughts. And uh, in other words, you need to be mindful of what's going on, of that negative self-talk, and ask yourself, would you talk to a friend like that? Absolutely not. And the other technique uh, that I use when it comes to reframing, and it's one that I, I thought of a few years ago, and I call it thinking like a billionaire, and that is, well, if you're a billionaire and someone rejects you, would you care? <laughs> not, right? 
Imagine being someone rejecting Richard Branson, you know, or Tony Shea, you know, Elon Musk. Um, they they just they just think next, right? So uh, how do you think like a billionaire? Well, firstly, you need to you need to um, acknowledge two things. One is that when people reject you, it's either them or it's you. So with that mortgage broker I spoke about, who you know went to the thirteenth interview and then got told to leave after 10 minutes. Now, he took it personally and started thinking, well, you know, it's me, I'm not smart enough, I'm not interesting enough, or I'm ugly, whatever it is. But what if it was them? What if that couple had an argument before he went into the living room? Or what if they just received a text message of bad news? You know, someone in their family is sick or they had to go to a hospital because that family member was in hospital. We just don't know those things. So it's not always about you. It could be about them or it could be that they, um, you know, fear making a commitment or they're indecisive. You just can't take things personally, especially if you're in sales. You can't take things personally. Um, Or the second thing, it could be you. But so what? What if it is you? You don't have to, not everyone has to like you. And, um, you know, there are multiple examples of people on the internet and, who are absolutely loved by their fans but hated by their trolls. So you're never going to get one person that everyone's going to love, right? Um, So use that method of reframing. Maybe it's them. Maybe they've uh, they've had a bad day or a bad week or a bad month. Anyway, I think I've made my point, but if you want to go deeper into the... uh, the technique of reframing and dealing with failure, rejection. Uh, I strongly recommend uh, Dr. Guy Winch's book called Emotional First Aid. And if you're not sure about wanting to read that book, then maybe you can actually um, go to TED.com and watch his TED video, which goes for 20 minutes. It's it's in the top five um, uh, most popular videos on um, or talks rather on TED and one of my personal favorites. And uh, Dr. Guy Winch is, of course, um, one of our speakers for Upgrade Your Life uh, 2020. He was so popular last year that we had to ask him to come back again. And he's uh, delivering two incredible talks. If you go to UpgradeYourLife2020.com, you'll see what that program is all about. Anyway, so the fourth toxic thing uh, I want to talk about is uh, toxic feelings. Now, these are the ones that absolutely decimate your energy level. So we've spoken about toxic haste we've talked about toxic people thirdly was toxic thoughts now what comes after toxic thoughts when you have repetitive toxic thoughts you start having um, chronic toxic feelings feelings such as fear or anger that eventually lead to anxiety uh, which then leads to unhappiness and eventually if it if it goes unchecked to depression and those feelings will will absolutely wreck you and you need to be mindful of them and you need to know to have the tools to to get rid of them and we are not never taught these tools yeah when we went to school and our parents didn't even know or maybe if you're lucky enough lucky enough to have you know parents who are psychologists or really well read maybe you were given these tools and techniques but Let's, um, I'll try and break it down for you in very simple terms that I use in my own personal life and I use with my family, friends and the people that I coach and mentor at MSA National and people that I coach more generally. So I believe that those negative feelings 
come from resistance and blame. In other words, when things happen to us, we are resisting the lessons. We are uh, saying things like, why me? Um, and we are blaming. We're either blaming you know, someone else or even ourselves or you know, the, the random universe which throws things our way. So I, I, I want to ask you the question, what are you resisting? If, if you are hanging on to negative feelings in your body, and the body actually pays the price for your feelings, the body stores negative emotions in the body, just as it would store positive emotions. So what are you resisting? Who are you blaming? Who are you not forgiving? And is it yourself? Do you need to forgive yourself for things that you've done in the past? Or do you need to forgive somebody else? And if it is somebody else that has hurt you in the past and you're hanging on to that anger, then you need to meditate on that. And there are lots of meditation techniques out there when it comes to forgiveness. But probably one of the most powerful that I've come across is one where you close your eyes and you imagine the person that hurt you sitting in front of you and you both have you were both looking at each other and you say to that person i forgive you and i want you to forgive me and then you imagine them saying to you i forgive you and i want you to forgive me now this particular form of meditation uh, i've seen people have breakthroughs seriously within two minutes of performing this uh, meditation it is really really powerful and you're probably listening to this podcast whilst driving, and obviously it's not the time or place uh, to do forgiveness meditation. But um, if you if you research it, you will find guided meditation on forgiveness, because I, I think that is something that you have to process yourself, and that is something you need to overcome. And so, getting back to then resistance and blame, and putting aside forgiveness for a second. But I asked you the questions, what are you resisting? Who are you blaming? And I, I always say that there is one antidote to um, resistance, and that is acceptance. There is one antidote. Basically, anxiety or unhappiness lives in the gap to where your life is currently and where you think it should be. So if you are not happy with where you are right now, then you are, uh, you're always focusing on where you want to be and uh, there's nothing wrong with focusing on what you want in life and people see that as having goals and dreams but there's a fine line between having ambitions and goals and dreams and uh, looking at those goals and dreams as your optimal life but your current life sucks right and there is a perfect rule in the universe and that is you can never materialize your dreams if you are not in love with your present. And I'll talk about that when, it, when I talk about the next technique when it comes to um, neutralizing anxiety and depression. And we'll be talking about gratitude, of course. But the first, when it comes to acceptance, um, I want you to learn how to practice acceptance. When bad things happen to you in your life, whether by somebody else or whether you, by yourself or just randomly by the universe, you need to ask yourself, two questions. One is, what can I learn from this? That is a super powerful question. 
Um, in fact, before I ask myself, what can I learn from this? I ask myself, well, what can I do to reverse this? What can I do to fix this? What action can I take with courage and love? Because uh, your, your actions can never be motivated by anything other than love. If it is motivated by revenge or any other negative emotion or anger or fear, then it just, it just never works. That's just not me talking. It's just the way of the universe, right? So if you look at it and you say, well, I can't take any action. I can't fix it. It's irreparable. Then the second question is, what can I learn from it? And that gets you to focus on... The, the issue if it arises in the future because there is nothing wrong with uh, having things go wrong in life because that's just doing life. Where it, people go wrong is where they, where they don't learn from it. So I always ask myself that beautiful question at the end of every day when I'm journaling. And at the last podcast, I mentioned that the three rituals that I do religiously every morning, and I suggest you do too, is movement, meditation, and journaling. So when you're journaling... In the morning, it's about what it's about uh, future focus, your goals. When you're journaling in the evening, it's about well, what happened in the day that you need to process. And this is the best time to ask that question: Well, what bad things happened that I need to uh, learn from? Now, there are some things that you just can't learn from, right? Just random things. Uh, if someone hurt you, maybe the learn uh, the lesson could be: Well, I'm never going to go into that business relationship again on those terms. Or it could be, I'll never want to deal with that person ever again. Or if you've done a particular move in the gym and you've hurt yourself, well, the learning is that, well, I'm never going to perform that move without getting ex uh, expert advice on how to do it properly. So that question of what can I learn is absolutely beautiful. And the if you cannot act on something or learn from it, and there's just uh, it, it just is what it is, then you need to go to step three, uh, the next step um, uh, in accept, practicing acceptance. And that is you need to let go of the outcome and surrender to the outcome and say, and trust that somehow, somewhere, sometime, whatever you consider to be bad now will be good for you or somebody else in the future. Your um, position in this universe is not to question uh, what's going on and not to say, why me? You know, we are insignificant at the end of the day. We are all ordinary people, but some of us do extraordinary things, of course. But at the end of the day, we're all ordinary people. But we need to surrender to the outcome. If you're waking up every day and you're doing your best, you know, you are meditating, you're working out, you're eating healthy, you are practicing emotional hygiene, and uh, you're slowing down, and you're doing everything that you could possibly do, and, and things still go wrong... You need to just let go of the outcome and stop trying to control uh, things. If you're seeing clients and you do your best and then you come out and clients don't choose you and they choose somebody else, you cannot, if you surrender to that outcome, you will not indulge in negative self-talk. Uh, that's the beautiful thing about acceptance. It's probably the most powerful area in your being that gives you immense power. It could also be your biggest downfall if you don't know how to practice acceptance and if you're always saying, why me, why me, why me? Um, so you need to trust, absolute trust, that those th um, whatever's happened to you will be good for you or uh, somewhere, um, sometime, somebody else in the future. And before I move on from this, I know a person who lost their job and were com uh, completely depressed for six months, but then they started a, 
an online retailing business from the, the back of their ga- garage, you know, the, the cliche start the business from the, the garage, and they went on to build a billion-dollar business. Now, that's why we can, never tr- we can never judge something as good or bad. It just is what it is, and you need to just roll with the punches. Or it could be the person that has um, uh, someone has broken their heart and moved on and left them in a relationship. And they consider that the worst thing in their life at the time. But then, and they resist that. Why me? Why me? Again, resistance and blame. They blame themselves. They blame the other person. But then two years later, they meet, you know, a wonderful person and they end up in a great relationship. So please, this is one of the, the, the most critical emotional hygiene techniques you need to practice. Complete and utter surrender. Do your best and... Uh, you know, let life do the rest. Or if you're religious, <laughs> um, just say, let God do the rest. Anyway, the now I want to talk about, so I talked about acceptance in the context of people who are always anxious. Uh, and, you know, if you want to neutralize those, those uh, n- toxic feelings of fear, anger, and anxiety. But what about the feelings of sadness, unhappiness, and depression? Where do they come from? Now, unless you have a chemical imbalance, in my experience, you know, almost everyone that I've come across that are suffering from depression, chronic depression, or in and out of depression, have a systemic lack of gratitude. They're always um, focusing on what they don't have and then taking what they have for granted. They're, I call them the two imposters. Um, and so, as I said earlier, you cannot materialize your future if you're not in love with your present so if you're not uh, which means that basically the antidote the ultimate antidote to sadness unhappiness and depression and the antidote to those two imposters to absolutely you know get rid of them altogether from your life those two imposters again are focusing on what you do not have and taking what you have for granted it's two sides of the same coin again i want you to make that distinction and be wary judge your motives a lot of people that i confront with about uh who are unhappy i i say to them you are taking uh your life for granted and they say but i have goals and dreams and and i say well okay there is focusing on what you want is a beautiful thing but then dumping on who you are at the moment is going to make you unhappy in the present moment there is only the present moment what you want in the future is just in your mind but it's absolutely critical that you live the present moment with complete and utter gratitude. doesn't matter how much you think your life sucks, you must absolutely look for the beautiful things that you do have in your life. And we have lots of things that we, uh, we overlook, simple things that we take for granted. Like I live in Sydney, Australia, and every day I'm grateful for the, uh, the sunshine, the abundance of fruit and vegetables, the safety and security, the infrastructure, the fact that, uh, you know, we have a government that takes care of people. We have free, you know, um, uh, health care and, uh, you know, even basic things like uh, I have taste buds to taste food. I have eyes to see. I have hands to pick some, you know, to, uh, to pick up my granddaughter or whatever it is. You need to focus on what you do have rather than what you don't have. So don't don't think that... By having goals in the future, you can dump on the present. 
um, at Upgrade Your Life last year, I, I compelled everyone and I urged everyone to never attend an event and um, make people feel like there's something wrong with you, you're broken and they're there to, fi- to fix you because I know a lot of events are like that. My uh, message to you is that honour and respect your past. doesn't matter how difficult it has been um, and you know, bring that all with you because it has brought you to this present moment. Um, you know, I'm grateful for the fact that I uh, was born and raised in Beirut. I'm grateful for the fact uh, that we, you know, we had to leave there in dire circumstances. There was war. There was hunger. The, it was very difficult. My parents had to work three jobs when they came here. We had to virtually raise ourselves. Now, I look up back on those things with a smile on my face because that is a part of who I am. I'm owning it, as David Goggins says. It's important that you own your past, good or bad. Bring it all with you to the present moment and be in love with who you are right now. And please, please get rid of the two imposters. So... Again, they are focusing on what you do not have and taking what you have for granted. And the second one is, I believe, the one that destroys many beautiful relationships of people who are once in love and who have fallen out of love because they just take the other for granted and they start focusing on their negative qualities rather than the beautiful qualities they fell in love with. Okay, so what is the antidote to unhappiness? It is gratitude. So how do you practice gratitude? Now, most people practice gratitude in their gratitude journal. Uh, So I mentioned earlier, I journal in the morning and the evening. And I definitely uh, uh, have at the beginning of my journal a high-level view of what I'm grateful for in my life because they're the things you don't want to repeat every day. Imagine all those beautiful things in your life that you are grateful for that you write uh, once in in your journal now, if you write that every day, you're going to get tired of it. You're not going to. You're going to stop feeling the emotion of being grateful. So, the two techniques that I practice when it comes to gratitude, I'm not saying don't write those things or don't go back and read uh, those um, uh, high level things that you're grateful for. By all means, do that, and I do that every now and then. Uh, but more powerful than than that is what I call practicing gratitude situationally and practicing gratitude when I have an irritating moment. These are ultra powerful. Now, before I talk about them, uh, I want to put uh, things in perspective. I know some people that will say, oh, I write things that I'm grateful for in my journal, um, you know, at, uh, at the end of the day for 10 minutes each day. And I say, yes, but uh, that's 10 minutes in 16 waking hours. So that's 1% of your time. So 10 minutes over 16 hours is 1% of your time. What is going on in your mind for the other 99% of the time? Because 1% can't trump 99%, right? 1% cannot undo 99% of negative thinking and feeling throughout the day, focusing on what you don't have and taking what you have for granted. So you need to practice gratitude situationally throughout the throughout the day. So you need to look for those moments where you mindfully stop yourself for just a split second and say, that was a positive interaction or that was a positive, uh, that, that was a tasteful meal or a beautiful coffee or the sunshine and be grateful in the moment. Now, this is something that I was raised with 
And up until the age of eight, I lived in a, a little village in the base of Mount Lebanon. And I was one of those little boys that followed my grandmother around who was constantly in this state of expressing her gratitude for the, you know, the, um, the herbs that she would uh, um, pick or the, you know, the, the spinach pies that her neighbour would make. And every time something beautiful she came across, she would verbalise it and I would hear it and then... So for me, I grew up with that, uh, that habit of expressing situational gratitude in the moment. That is, so if you can practice uh, that uh, situational gratitude in 99% of the day, I mean, that will completely neutralize any unhappiness that you may go through in life. And, and please note that it is absolutely normal to go through periods of unhappiness. The, the key is not to dwell there. And the key to acknowledge that it's okay and not feel like you're broken and not feel like there must be something wrong with you and then you start turning to Dr. Google to the point where you're just wallowing in that misery. You need to do life and get on with life Um, and you need to keep working, exercising, eating properly, practicing gratitude, all those things. And it's those things that get you through the tough times. Uh, So my message is, Expect tough times, uh, and um, but get through them by never giving up, never stopping, uh, ne- never default to a position of blame, resistance, why me, focusing on what I don't have. That is what prolongs unhappiness and depression. So situational gratitude is a very powerful antidote. Uh, after acceptance it's the second most powerful antidote and so pick your moments is it a cup of coffee is it uh, a returning customer is it a customer that's referred another customer can you stop and be grateful for that is it uh, look i can't think of any anything else at this point that is uh, not too personal so i will leave that for you to start practicing gratitude situationally throughout the day and it takes mindfulness which is why meditation is something that I do morning and night because it teaches me to be mindful. It teaches me to witness my thoughts. When you witness your thoughts, you start to witness your feelings and it's then that you can practice situational gratitude. So um, if you have not read my series, I did a series on the, um, uh, the four rituals, five habits and six life hacks. And I go through the, that system step by step and um, meditation is one of those daily rituals because it's on it's uh, it's one of those rituals that you can stack other daily habits and uh, life hacks uh, anyway I, I digress the um, the second way you practice gratitude and this is ultra powerful is when you have an irritating moment if you train yourself to have to uh, to slip into gratitude your high-level list of gratitude, you know, the high-level list of oh, this amazing country I live in, the sunshine, my health, the abundance of fruit and vegetables. If you can remind yourself of those high-level areas of life that you should be grateful for, and if, if you want to know where to list, when you, if you want to put down a list of grati- uh, things to be grateful for, uh, go to ahigherbranch.com, a higher branch, that's ahigherbranch.com, and have a look at our model called the eight areas of life. And you should list everything that you're grateful for in each one of those eight areas. And if you have a look at my journal, that's what I've got at the beginning of my journal. Every journal, I have that high-level list of things that I'm grateful for in each of those eight areas of life. 
it's sort of like my roadmap, uh, as I always return to that roadmap. So um, we have irritating moments every day, every week. We're going to have them for the rest of our life. Irritating, uh, you know what irritates you, and it's very subjective, so I'm not going to go through the things that irritate me. For example, some, some people get irritated when somebody cuts them off on the road. I, that doesn't bother me. I think, well, maybe they're busy in a, in a hurry or maybe they're just uh, <laughs> bad drivers. It doesn't irritate me, but I know some people get irritated. And if, you, if that's something that irritates you, just say, well, okay, Sam or Sally or John or whatever your name is, you're having an irritating moment. Slip into gratitude. If you get into the habit of doing that, uh, it, it's, it becomes hardwired. It becomes a habit, right? So for me, every time I have an irritating moment, a smile comes to my face and I think, I'm having an irritating moment. I have to slip into gratitude. And, you know, it just completely neutralizes. So some people want to feel like they want to vent. They feel like, let me have my irritating moment so I can vent. And they feel like that'll make them feel better. But you know what? That um, the... the the science proves otherwise because uh, when you have that irritating moment, if you don't uh, completely nip it in the bud within you know, 10 seconds, then it's going to absolutely change the chemistry in your body. You're going to surge stress hormones. Suddenly serotonin's depleted and cortisol takes its place, adrenaline. And, uh, and suddenly you slip into a state of toxic stress and you're doing things with haste, and then it's, you know, it's a downward spiral from there. So you should not have an, uh, an irritating moment where you indulge in it. Uh, you need to uh, absolutely neutralize it, nip it in the bud, and move on. So I've just gone through with you the, the four things, the four toxic things that impact your mental and emotional well-being and look, I've, I've um, done it in a very quick fashion. I hope you've gotten something out of it. Now, in future podcasts, I'll be doing a deeper dive into each one of these areas, but I thought I'd introduce you to those four areas just to get you to start thinking about them. And I, I get it. it. It's difficult. You know, changing behaviors is extremely difficult. That's why in the next podcast, I'm, to go, I'm going to go through with you um, my how you conserve your energy through systems, and I'm talking about automation here. We order, we have automation in the workplace, in our business, but you can also um, automate behaviors. You can also initiate behavioral change through identity change, and you can do that by following a system. And I will be going through that with you. And um, that's when I'll also be mentioning the four daily rituals, the five habits and the six life hacks. So I hope again you've enjoyed this podcast and until next time, live consciously my friends.